podcast. I am Jenna, lawyer by training, writer and teacher by choice. Originally from New York, I am a proud wife and mother living in Los Angeles. Join me as we delve into the Holy Torah's teachings and apply them to our lives. I keep it short and sweet, but always deep. Welcome. Hello everyone, welcome back. So recently, my rabbi here in Los Angeles, Rabbi Graven, said that now more than ever, we can't rely on our jobs, we can't rely on our investments, we can't rely on our plans, we can't rely on our leaders, and we can't rely on other people. But he said, this is something we've always known, because in reality, like we've discussed, really it's Hashem in control, but now we're seeing even more clearly how out of control we actually are. So I kind of want to continue with this. Last week, we spoke about... What can we control in our own lives? And this week I want to speak about who can we rely on? So the answer is Hashem. That's who we can ultimately rely on. And an example that I like to give to illustrate this point is that imagine you have a billionaire father who can literally do anything for you and loves you and wants to do anything, you know, wants to do what's best for you at all times and always wants your happiness and well-being. And you are, you know, you need something. And instead of going right to your father, you like go up to random people on the street (laughs) or like even friends or people would say, what's wrong with you? Like, just go ask your dad. So that's kind of like us, you know, as the Jewish people, we have Hashem that we can always turn to who could literally do anything for us and who wants to give to us and wants our best. And more than that, you know, we know people are not reliable or a hundred percent trustworthy, but we know that Hashem is. So I want to discuss this quality of bitachon, which means trusting God a little bit more. I want to talk about how we apply it and how it can enhance our lives using my own personal experience. So I quickly just want to define some key terms, faith and trust. So faith, which is amuna, is faithfulness to what we know to be true. And this is an idea from Dr. Rabbi Akiva Tetz. I believe I've mentioned it before. Once we, once we know that Hashem exists, we're faithful to that idea. That's faith. We don't believe, you know, just in blind faith. Um, it's something that can be explored and, and like out really like determined to a high probability intellectually, we believe. And we, Judaism believes that Hashem's not only involved in the big picture issues, but also in the minutia of our day-to-day lives. So much so that the Torah even teaches that if you're short change at the cash register, that too was divinely decreed, <laughs> which is amazing. So that's faith. And what faith is an understanding. And once we, once we know this about Hashem, then bitachon, trust, follows. And in the Chavos Halavovos, which is a book called The Duties of the Heart, a famous Jewish book, um, he defines bitachon, trust, as relying on Hashem. It's a sense of depending on him to watch over me and protect me. And it results from faith of knowing that he's intimately involved in my life. So I'm going to trust that everything is going to work out for the best and Hashem will take care of me. Ideally, when we have this real trust, it should bring optimism and confidence and inner peace, um, which is really a big reason why I want to talk about it with, with the tumultuous times that we're living in. So one of the classic questions is, you know, if God controls everything, if he can do anything, where's my part in this? You know, where's my role in the story of my life? So the Torah teaches that it's really a delicate balance between trusting Hashem and our own personal effort. 
I want to talk about this idea a little bit. So when I was in law school, my, the end of the first semester, we were leading up to finals. And it was like you felt like the tension mounting in the law school like day by day because your whole grade for your course is determined by this one final at the end. And then your job in the summer is determined by the grade. And there's, there's a lot of pressure. So everyone was working so hard. And as was I. And I remember one of my friends approached me and she said, I don't understand how you're so calm. Now, believe me, I wasn't that calm, (laughs) but I think relative to everyone else, I did have a measure of calm and I'll explain why. The Torah teaches this idea that people think my strength and the power of my hands have made me this wealth. But then the Torah says, but remember that the Lord, your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So I think what I felt was the people around me felt that their efforts was the sole determination of their the outcome of the of the exam grade and the job it was solely based on their own efforts so of course they were working like crazy and they could never do enough whereas i felt that okay i can i'm going to work obviously i'm going to work hard to study but ultimately the outcome is up to hashem it's not up to me so i can only do so much And I don't think Hashem expects of me to run myself into the ground and literally lose my sanity (laughs) over this exam. Um, So this idea that my, my strength and my power of my hands, that's a very arrogant idea. It's not a Jewish idea. We believe that we put in effort and the, and the outcome is always determined by Hashem. So still we have this question of how much effort should we put in? And the exact amount of effort is different for everyone. It obviously depends on the situation, but I want to, dig a little deeper here. So Rav Dessler has a famous book, Strive for Truth, which I'm going to link to because he has a whole discussion on trust and effort. And it's it's really worthwhile to, to read it if you're interested. But he basically says that the amount of effort we need to put in is commensurate with our level of trust in Hashem. So the more we trust the more we trust in Hashem, the less effort is necessary and vice versa. The less trust we have in Hashem, the more effort is necessary. And he gives this example of the sin of the spies, which is in the book of the Torah that we're currently reading, the book of Bamidbar or Numbers. <clears throat> we're actually going to read it soon in Parsha Shlach. Basically, the Jewish people had come out of Egypt, okay? They saw the sea split. They were at Mount Sinai, which we discussed a little bit in our Shavuos episode. Um, when they were in the, in the desert, they had manna, bread falling from heaven. They had the cloud of glory protecting them, keeping them cool. And Hashem told them, you're going to go into the land of Canaan, the land of Israel, and you're going to conquer it. Um, and that's where you're going to dwell. And it's a good land. Okay. So this is what Hashem told them. So the Jewish people became afraid and unsure when it was time to go into Israel and conquer it. And they went to Moshe and requested to scout out the land prior to conquering it. And the reason that the Midrash says that the reason that, um, the spies requested this was they wanted to see for the land for themselves to make sure it really was good. It was good enough to really fight for it. Like Hashem said, and they were also afraid to conquer the land. Like they wanted to learn more about the territory that, you know, the terrain, the people there, you know, what were they really up against? So these were people who saw open miracles from Hashem and they were on a very high level and in this, because they were on such a high level, they really should have had complete trust that if Hashem told him we were going to go in and conquer and this is where you're going to dwell and this is the land I'm giving you, like it all was going to work out. But because they they got nervous and they wanted to see for themselves and they they felt like it was a little bit, they, they were putting more weight on their own efforts. Once they insisted on scouting out the land themselves, Rev Dessler says their spiritual level decreased and it actually became necessary at that point for them to put in some more effort, which is, it's actually a very interesting point. 
and it illustrates what we're talking about a little bit. So back to the law school example. When I was in law school, I was told to put in as much effort as the average responsible student. And that's obviously still a lot of work. The average student's working hard, but you know, you, I can't do much less. I can't use laziness as an excuse just because I trust in Hashem doesn't mean I can sit around all day while my friends are studying. But too much effort really implies a lack of trust at a certain point. So we're really looking for this sweet spot. We're really looking for this point where I've done as much as I can do while maintaining my health and sanity. And then I'm going to pray and then put the burden on Hashem and know that he will take care of me and it will be the best possible outcome. This is trust, okay? And I want to make a key point here that we really believe that effort, hishtadlut, in, in, in Judaism is both the physical effort, like the studying for the exam, but also prayer. We consider prayer to be an essential part of effort, so much so that if you don't pray, it's as if you haven't done your full effort. So we, we put in the physical effort, we do that job applications, we, we do the research, whatever we need to do, then we pray and we trust that Hashem will determine the outcome in the best possible way. Obviously, we're human, and um, not having grown up this way and with these with these ideas, I found it very challenging, especially in law school, to to really strike that balance. And I, I always felt like I had to do more, and I felt a lot of anxiety and fear around, you know, like everyone else, around studying and, and doing well. And I remember I decided to explore the anxiety and fear that was fueling my efforts, and it and it really, it I really encourage this type of activity, and you'll see why. So. First, I was like, why am I working so hard? Okay. And one of the reasons was because I wanted a good job. Well, what if, okay, so what if I don't get my top job choice? Well, maybe another job is really more suitable for me. So I, our vision is so limited compared to Hashem's, you know, and we don't see the full picture. So sometimes things don't work out the way we expect or want them to, but we trust that it's Gamza Latova. That's a saying. It's, it's, this is also for the good. That even if we don't understand something in the moment, Usually in retrospect, we're able to see like, oh, thank God it worked out the way we did. We have to trust that Hashem sees the full picture and he's going he's gonna to make it work out in the best way. And when I used to pray when I was in law school, I would say, please let me get this job if it will be good for me. You know, because that's ultimately what we want. We want things that will be good for us. Sometimes we're so stuck on a certain outcome and it's not actually good for us. So then I was thinking, well, what's the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario is that I would fail out, God forbid. Well... If that were the case, which was unlikely, maybe I'm not meant to be a lawyer. <laughs> like if I'm failing out, despite my effort, maybe it's not the right path for me. If I'm meant to be a lawyer, it's going to work out. Hashem's going to provide the opportunities. So I think also being open to, to different possibilities. You know, we also get so so bent on a certain outcome. And it, it's, as I said, like not, it might not necessarily be the right thing for us. And we have to be open to that. We can put in all the effort in the world. If Hashem doesn't want something to work out, it's not going to work out. And if we accept that earlier, we'll have more inner peace throughout the process. But I also had a deeper anxiety here. Um, I wanted to show myself and others that I was smart enough. You know, it was a lot, there was a lot of ego invested here and self-worth, you know, because I grew up being told that my career and my success is, is really the most important thing. I remember when I was in, in the first semester of law school, I had an amazing contracts professor, Professor Jody Krause. I think he's at Columbia now. And he, he said like on the first day, listen, you, or at some point he said in the semester, you all got into Penn Law because you've only basically ever gotten A's. Otherwise you wouldn't be here. 
And it is statistically impossible for you all to get A's. You know, you're graded on a curve. You're not all getting A's. And you have to be okay with that. And your self-value has to be based on something else besides your grades. So I think pe- some people almost fell off their chair. I was so happy. I thought this was amazing that he, sa- that he said this to the group. And it really was so true. Um, so and I'll, as I'll speak about in a few minutes, I really did work during law school on kind of shifting my self-worth on more of who I was as a person and my character um, as opposed to my grades and my success in, in the career realm, so, which, is, which is very healthy and has helped a lot. So anyway, the, the main point is that exploring our fears and our anxiety behind our personal efforts can bring us a lot of clarity. You know, like we can ask ourselves, why do I want this specific outcome so badly? And if it doesn't work out, what's, you know, what's the worst case scenario? And what is it that I really want? You know, like what's really driving this? So when I did this inner work, I realized that what I really wanted was to spend more time in Israel. And um, this was a very unlikely scenario. My parents didn't want me to go. And, you know, coming out of um, law school, they expected me to, you know, just start working, get a job, of course. And um, I remember during this time where there was so much uncertainty about what job I was going to get and where I was going to live. And was I going to get to Israel? And, you know, was I going to meet somebody to marry? And I was trying to date at the time for, for marriage and I went to the Lubavitcher Rebbe's resting place, the Ohel, in New York, which is not far from where I grew up. And um, I was praying, you know, I really, I really felt very insecure about the future, kind of how most people feel now, just like everything's so uncertain, so up in the air, like how can I move forward comfortably? Um, and I, so I was praying and praying, and I remember it was like a nighttime, it was quiet. And when I was finished, I looked up, and there was a magnet sitting on the ledge of the Ohel. And it said, relax, smile, ain't owed milvado. Only Hashem is in charge. There's only Hashem. And I took this as a major sign <laughs> that basically Hashem was answering me, like, don't worry. Um, I, I, I got you. But um, this idea, like I said, that there's there's only Hashem. Hashem can, can, there's meaning we put our trust in people. We put our trust in circumstances working out and then we, and then we get disappointed and we get anxious and we put trust in our own efforts. And no, it's Hashem is the one who determines everything. He's the one who gives us the ability to wake up each morning and accomplish what we need to accomplish. And knowing that he's in charge can actually bring us a ton of inner peace as long as we're putting in our reasonable effort. Lastly, I want to talk about how I've seen in my own life that trusting Hashem really builds a person and expands his reality. So growing up in college and even in law school, I would often do a mitzvah or an act of kindness and feel like I was losing out in some way. Like I was giving up my time. I was giving up, you know, I wasn't going to be able to finish my assignment or I wasn't, I wasn't going to have enough time to do X, Y, and Z, whatever it was. For instance, like when I was in law school, one time my Robinson called me and asked me to come babysit for her and I would get anxious. Like, what about my assignments? When am I going to get this done? But slowly, I began to stretch myself because I realized that I actually wanted to be more like my Robinson. <laughs> you know, I was around a lot of successful career people, but I actually wanted to emulate this woman who was such a giver. I started to see the bigger picture that life really isn't just about career and success, but about who we are as people, like I said. And we're really here to emulate God. That really is why we're here. We're here to work on ourselves and develop ourselves. So I forced myself to do certain acts of giving. And Rebetzin Heller, for those who know her, she's an amazing teacher at Neve in Israel. Rebetzin Sephora Heller, now Gottlieb, tells a story. Um, well, she says, basically a teaching that in the Holocaust, you know, what made a righteous Gentile decide to take in a Jewish person? 
You know, they were risking their lives and many people were killed who were found to be hiding Jews. So she said, it wasn't like, like they suddenly decided at that time they're going to risk their lives. These were people who had been doing small acts of giving their entire lives, small acts of loving kindness so that when they, when they got to that point where the Jewish people showed up on their doorstep, for them, the natural decision was, okay, come in versus people who, who were not, were not going to make that choice and sacrifice themselves in that way. So of course we need to take care of our health and prioritize our responsibilities. You know, I'm not saying we should just run around helping people and like never, never, um, you know, take care of what we need to take care of for ourselves. But if we can reasonably, reasonably accomplish an act of giving presented, we should with the idea that we're doing Hashem's will and he will take care of us. And this, this is trust, trust in Hashem that Hashem, I'm doing what I know you want me to do. And I trust that you're going to help me. And you're going to take care of me. And I actually found that as I gave more of myself, I never lost out. And once I had this awareness and that I would always somehow have time to complete my assignments. But I actually found that when I was so self-focused and obsessed with my own work, that I was actually inefficient and wasted time. So I, I really found that Hashem can literally like make time for you. Like things will be canceled all of a sudden or, you know, things like that, or, or give you energy or he can change circumstances to suit you. There's, there's a saying in the Torah that if I make my will Hashem's will, he will make his will my will. And there's a beautiful story that illustrates this point that I want to share. You may have heard of Rebetzin Esther Young Grace, that's all. She was an amazing woman who was a Holocaust survivor and lived in America after the war. And I'm going to attach the link to her biography because it's so amazing. And I read this story there. So basically, I think it was during the 60s or 70s, Israel was going through a tumultuous time trying to assert its independence and often Rebetzin and Grace would go to Israel and give chizuk, give inspiration to the soldiers on different bases and give courage to the Jews there. So one summer she was planning to go and she turned to her oldest daughter at the time, Chaya Sarah, and said, would you like to join me? And she said, mom, I have the regents, which is like the final exam, the state final exam. They're like a big deal in New York, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, people spend a lot of weeks studying for them and it's, it's a big deal. So she said, I have the regents, you know, I won't be able to study. What am I going to do? I can't come. So her mom said, you know, this is not correct. When, when Jews need help, you go, basically. <laughs> so her daughter went, and obviously she didn't get a lot of studying done. And when she came back, what happened? For the first time in regents history, I believe it was in the early 70s, um, somebody had leaked the answers and they canceled the, this exam or postponed it, <laughs> whatever it was. But either way, it was she didn't have to take it right when she got back. So I really love this story. I think it so beautifully illustrates our point that when we reach out to help a fellow Jew or a person in need, Hashem will take care of us. And, and we can even turn to Hashem in our, in our prayer and say, Hashem, I'm taking care of your children. Please take care of me. So I just want to sum up that trust is based on faith. Since I know that there's a God who loves me and that is intimately involved in my life and wants what is best for me, I trust that he will protect me and take care of me. And the little formula we have for trust is that trust equals reasonable effort and prayer and leaving the outcome to Hashem. And ideally, this should bring us to a state of, of inner peace and calm and, and optimism about our future. And through exploring the potential anxiety and fear around our efforts, we may discover more about ourselves and be able to let go and let God. And last, by doing acts of loving kindness and mitzvot, which are Hashem's will, we can trust that he will take care of us and enable us to fulfill our purpose. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the class. And... Um, to learn with you next week. Stay well.